Hello, my name is Scott Cameron. This is the teacher, the joys of <clears throat> teaching literature. Um, I run online professional development for high school English teachers or self-paced courses. Uh, if you want to know more about me, my website is theteachersworkshop.com. Um, so the the topic this week is I actually had a lot of fun thinking writing about this because I feel like above all other things, I mean obviously. So, so, so the title of it is Meaning-Making in the Secondary ELA Classroom. Um, so obviously, every, this is what we do. Right? It's, everything revolves around meaning. Um, and that's not, it's not an easy task. When you create meaning, you are, you're creating it. You're, it's not there. And then you have to decide what it, what it means, what it's saying, what's, not, what's, be, what's beyond the page. There's the characters, the events, what they say, what they say to each other, um, whatever the narrator gives us. Um, and even in an, a good essay, you know, literature is kind of all just all great writing. So in, even an essay where somebody lays down an argument and then backs it up with evidence, you know, there is meaning there. And so, and so there's that kind of, there's that first layer of the text, which is the text itself. Um, there's that kind of basic level, surface level, Here's the. This is the plot. A plot summary, uh, where you and that's not always easy if you're dealing with Faulkner or James Joyce. Um, just figuring out because there's so many pages in a novel. Right? There's and even a poem has every single line, you know, could hold the weight of a whole chapter of a novel. Right? So, just figuring out how the different lines or the different chapters, pages, passages, all are related to each other is, is pretty surface level, but you, but you are keeping track of how one thing leads into the next thing. You know, in the case of Beloved, which I'm trying to wrap my head around right now because I'm going to teach that soon, you know, there's flashbacks, there's all kinds of different, there's, there's not just flashbacks, but there's also stories about the past and that happen in dialogue. So there's, there's just like so many different layers of time that we need to keep track of. But then there's that kind. Of, there's the the thing that extends beyond that, and that's meaning. Um, meaning in the sense of this character is going through this, and I'm going to figure out what it is they're feeling, and why they did what they did. But when we we go even beyond that, we were now I'm going to kind of focus on personal meaning. Like, what does this mean to me? Um, I'm going to kind of use my imagination to figure out what it is the character went through, but I'm also going to try to figure out what this means, you know, on a personal level, but also in the same sense as a personal level, a societal level. It's just one and the same thing. We are people living in a world, and so interacting and, and behaving in that world is something that that happens because of the books that we read, because of the movies that we watch, because of the conversations that we have with people. Um, all of our experiences are the sum of who we are. Um, we have those experiences, and then we decide who we want to be. We decide what we're going to say, we decide what we're going to do, we make choices. But we, we, we have to sort of acknowledge that all of the experiences that we've been through, including reading novels, uh, have made us think and then, and then create. And that's the, that's the meaning-making process, is thinking. <laughs> right? And so on a... On a an interesting layer. We are. We have to generate. The, the, a book is just a book. It's just letter combinations. <laughs> I always make that joke to my students. Like these are just different. We're just throwing letters in different places, and um, 
that's what we're looking at. Uh, and so the text is just a story. But when we think about it and when we process it and when we you know, walk away, go, and go out into our lives after we read a book, we are slightly changed because we make meaning from what we read. And so that is it's sort of a, it's a challenge because with literature, it's not it's not a, I mean you can have the sort of literary movies and you can sort of argue about what the definition of literature is because it can probably extend to a lot of different things. But um, you know when you when we're thinking about uh, what what these what how stories impact and intersect with this with our story. Right, that's what we want to, and when, we, when we're in class, I think this is such a, an interesting topic for teachers because I'm always, <laughs> what, when we t you've taught a book for so many years, year after year after year, the stories of our lives come in to, to how we help our students sort of understand it. So we're, we're using things that what we see in the news, that, that we experience in our personal lives, and it could be because we have a family. It could be because we're, you know, I don't know if you're younger, you're dating somebody. It could be because you remember, you have experiences when you're children that were similar to the experiences of the of the character in the play. And so, this is re it's so important because when you think back on your teachers, you know, you might remember them because they were really good at interpreting the text. But you're probably going to remember them because of the way they created meaning and help you create meaning. So we're the kind of the models of meaning making in our classrooms where we have to show them how a text intersects with our lives and the more that we do that the more that we we show the value of reading not just to just to become intellectual beings who are wise and who understand other people's experiences and are, are a better person as a consequence and that's all part of it um, but we also we also want to make sure that there's a relevance to what it is that we that we're doing in the classroom, and this is true for, for English, but it's true for really every subject. We should always be talking about different innovations and uh, scientific phenomenon or whatever it is that that makes up the actual world that we live in. I think children often, too often, think in terms of this book is old. Why do I need this? You know, if I'm going to go into business, why would I need a science class? Right. So they're they're just preoccupied with the track that they're going to go or they're not going to go to college so they go well when I need this I'm not going to go to college you know I'm going to pick up this trade and that's good too um, so I think it's it's always and you, actually seeing my seniors talk about this a lot too when we ever got into a conversation about education because a lot of them do think that it's and you could argue that it's a waste of money right I mean college is so expensive so you're going to be paying thousands and thousands of dollars to take these courses that don't have anything to do with the field that you're tr you're trying to know very well and 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 know as best as you can so that when you enter in the field you you know what you're doing and you want to kids you know like it's a good argument right i want to spend all my time learning uh, you know the things that that will help me succeed in real life and that's that's a legitimate argument um, so it, we better be able to really allow our students to under, like help that our students understand that even though this is not what they're going to pursue in life, and there's no fiscal <laughs> benefit, there's no monetary benefit to, uh, say, studying English or painting a painting, uh, when you become 
this is an interesting philosophical conversation because we talk about this a lot, that there are, when we're talking about creativity, that's, there's a place for that, and especially in the 21st century. Um, it's, we're only going to rely more and more heavily on creativity to, to be a job, you know, to when machines are really taking over. And that, that includes what for, you know, the last 20 years or so, we kind of curated the internet and made these websites and apps and different places for people to go. AI is just, it's taking over all of that. Um, so the, the creative minds of, you know, are going to be running the future. So I think that's painting and music and, and sports and science, everything is, is um, sort of contributing to something that does, I, I do think, has a monetary value, um, especially in, in the sense that when you communicate an idea to people that you work with, and when you're obviously not running the entire show yourself, when you're working with people, um, then, then exchanging ideas and, and creating arguments about what what path is the next, you know, what step is the next step forward. Those uh, conversations um, need to, you know, we need to be able to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. We need to be able to understand their point of view. Um, we need to be able to know what's facts, you know, differentiate fact from fiction. Uh, all these different things that we're doing in our classroom do, you know, communicating well. There will there always be a value to communicating well and to get along with people and that sort of thing. Um, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but I, I, I think that what meaning making is definitely one of the most important things that we do. And, and even when we do something simple like tell a story uh, that, you know, Oh, this this passage really made me think of this thing that I went through. Um, that we're encouraging them to do the same thing. Um, and our and when they write a conclusion, whenever they, whenever they write an introduction or a conclusion, you know that's really framing the the interpretation of the book in a way that creates a meaning and makes it relevant to the world that we live in. That's the sort of the point of the introduction and the conclusion is to generate meaning, not just in the body paragraphs where we're interpreting a character. Or if we're interpreting an essay or whatever it is, piece of nonfiction, um, or a historical event, if you're in social studies, whatever. Um, so that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> Sorry for the long introduction. It's easy to, to say to our students that literature should be meaningful. It's easy to ask students, what does that line mean? Interpreting and analyzing literature is only the first step in the meaning-making process. Ultimately, we want our students to not only know what's happening in the internal and unconscious world of the characters, but we also want them to extend their understandings of human motivation and behavior to their lives and the world they currently live in. We want them to write introductions and conclusions that contextualize the literature, why it exists, what we can learn from it, what we can do with it. After reading an essay, any essay, the reader should ca carry a newfound wisdom with them wherever they go. So I'm going to get kind of specific here um, about how to help students make meaning from literature, how we can model it, and how we can also help them to make me meaning through topics. Um, and that's basically what I'm going to go through is a set of different, I think I have 11 topics um, to help them comprehend the relevance of literature. So the first one is performance. Teenagers relate to the idea that their lives can be a performance. You know, all the world's a stage, right? That's what Shakespeare said. Uh, but when we play a sport, worship, sing, play an instrument, 
you know, when we meet somebody for the first time, when we raise our hand and talk in class, when we order food right at a restaurant, we go to a doctor, we unconsciously adhere to the social codes and etiquette that that particular situation demands. When we follow the rules of society, we do it to fit in, to make others feel comfortable, and to be courteous. They want to live up to the expectations of their coaches, teachers, leaders, family, even ancestors, people that came before us. But then they have to find who they are, what they stand for, and how they can think independently of all the voices around them. Many characters struggle with who they are supposed to be and who they are. Right? That's a big source of inner conflict for a lot of characters. Somebody saying, I want you to do this, you should be this, whether that be the voice of society or culture or the voice of their you know, parents perhaps or, or friends, whoever else is surrounding them in the novel. And then, you know, again, that the, the other opposing side of that conflict is themselves, who they actually are. And Hamlet, I think, is a good example of this. Um, status Number two is status and reputation. A child worries about reputation just as an adult worries about status. The things we say and do follows around forever, especially now with social media. <laughs> Literally forever. You know, from a very young age now, even too, and our parents are posting pictures of kids. Um, but people, so people derive, especially now, this is one of those topics that is, is more important now than maybe, well, it's always been important, but definitely, definitely super important to kids now. Because people derive self-worth from how they look and appear to others. They compare themselves to other people and can sometimes care too much about what they think. Think about it. Like back in the day, it was, a, it was towns. It was villages. It was small circles of people. Now you put a picture on the internet, you're talking about millions of people. You know, and, and you know, if you make your profile or whatever public, then anyone who's anybody can just come in there and say whatever they want to you. Um, and so, so maintaining your dignity is always sort of part of status and reputation. And uh, you know, you want to care what other people think of you. Um, but in today's world, I, there are people who just sort of tear you down. And characters are always dealing with that. Um, some characters in fiction get so wrapped up in their quest for self-advancement that they forget to use their conscience, like Pip in Great Expectations or Emma in Jane Austen's Emma. Number three is love. This is obviously huge for teenagers. Uh, I think that's why kids really like Great Gatsby. It's just romantic. Uh, so they always love a good, you know, good love. Everybody, I mean, it's like probably the most common and most popular art form, right? The movies, songs are all about love. Um, this might be the most attractive topic for high schoolers. They're starting to have strong feelings, or at least what they think <laughs> they think are strong feelings. We've all been there before, right? Where we think we're in love when we when it first happens to us, um, and you get super interested in discussing uh, why relationships last or fall apart. It's always a really good conversation. People are always willing to partake in that conversation. Uh, everyone appreciates a good love story where two characters overcome obstacles and limitations, like family or society. Great literature doesn't just scratch the surface of love. It examines the depths, mystery, and intensity of love, like Setha and Paul D. in Beloved, Beloved, or Mr. and Mrs. Ramsey in To the Lighthouse. Now, number four is family. 
a teenager may not have developed a close, uh, close friendships or feelings for another person quite yet, depending on how they, old they are probably, but, um, but they all understand the complicated nature of family. Every, almost every character became who they are because of their parents or guardians. Every parent tries to balance discipline and expectation with love and affection. Some expect their children to follow in their footsteps or have trouble expressing their love. Gogol in The Namesake by Jhumpalahiri, like most of us, slowly and surely comes to appreciate his parents and the importance of keeping them close over the course of his life. Number five is identity. Identity, who we are, can be a complicated philosophical question. What we're doing here, our purpose, can be difficult to nail down at any age. We need to consider all of our experiences, the people we meet, the places we go, the books we read, everything. When we consider our individual selves and our ability to think independently so we can separate ourselves from the onslaught of things that try to define us and change us. With every passing year, our students spend more and more time in front of a screen listening to someone else's version of reality. This makes me think of uh, Invisible Man. The narrator of Invisible Man battles those forces that descend upon him, and he wins. Uh, you know, if you look at the ending of the book, it's easy to interpret otherwise, but the book itself and the storytelling and, and the brilliance of the narrator and his ability to see the world and how and end himself is is part of his success. It is his success. Um, so that's kind of interesting to think about too. Identity. Uh, they always like to think about that because when you, you know you think about the identity and even identification, the opposite. Um, there are just so many, especially in high school. There's so many like sort of labels and. Like even when it comes to music, like genre, um, that that really like make you you. Like I like this music, or these kinds of movies, or doing this, or what you know, or maybe it's religion, something. There's always ways of of kind of you know making up who you are, and so that's that's always a good topic. Number six is free will. Upon graduation, children fa face many options, a world of possibilities. It can be exciting, but also frustrating. Uh, sorry, frightening. <laughs> but frustrating and frightening, I guess. Um, sometimes we find our path in life with little effort, like a meal served to us at a fine restaurant. But for many people, finding the right friends, partner, school, or job can be an unpredictable, heartbreaking, and confusing experience. Prior experience in our unconscious minds dictate most decisions to us without our knowing it. We now know that both nature and nurture shape who we become. Science has only confirmed what the Greeks told us about man being a plaything of the gods. So when a character like Macbeth struggles to make his own choices, our students can relate. Uh, seven is race and culture. I remember fielding one of the most challenging, I'll never forget this moment, I think there's all these moments that kind of stick with us in our teaching careers and for me, um, we finished reading up a graphic scene from Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, an American slave. And my student, I was just kind of, there's a way she, she asked the question. Um, we just kind of like took a deep breath after we all kind of were like, okay, that was, that was intense, um, that passage. Uh, and she just raised her hand and said, like, Mr. Cameron, how, how did this happen? Like, how, how does it, how is it going on today still, too? 
uh, that people are just that racist. Um, I don't. I, I I remember like initially saying I don't know, and and then and then like saying okay, but here's here's the, here's the best explanation that I can give, and I I try to sort of you know explain it to her um, in the best way that I could, <laughs> because it is confusing why people act the way they do, um, and are just you know have, have hate in them. Um, but yeah, I, I, obviously there's, there's a way of trying to explain it the best you can. Um, but there's, there is that point where you just kind of fall short of coming up with a pretty reasonable stick for a child to find, you know, they want to know like why the world works the way it does and why these things happen in history. And it's not always easy to just explain it because, um, we, it's, it's the human behavior, humans have been just dis they just dis they, they act in crazy ways they're just disappointing kind of um so yeah talking about race um will not only and not just rate like race and racism i guess i'm kind of talking about uh two different things with this topic because it's it's that complicated such a complicated all these ideas that i picked for this i feel like we're are pretty intellectually challenging things to talk about um but this one i th i think is probably and it's one that they talk about relevance. I mean, it's just always really super relevant um, in their, and they're not just even in their, as far as their political, you know, view of the world, but, but personally, um, it's something that they think about just like, why would we treat people differently? Um, and, and why would somebody do that? Uh, and even just understanding the concept of like culture is such an interesting word. And, and, I remember in media studies, we just took a deep dive into like, all right, well, let's let's talk about what that is, and we came up with like twenty different things that culture is, or, or kind of involves. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really intellectual conversation, and it's something that our kids are just really really eager to like understand, because um, it's, it's just it's it's talked about in such inappropriate and and nonsensical ways in the media um and it's just it's not it's not you know it's kind of neil postman talked about this how television is just not intellectual conversation it's just not um and so what they're looking to get a, a sort of a way of like a discourse when it comes to talking about race like turning on the tv is not it's the possibly the worst place to figure out how to talk about race it's just it's just ter it's terrible how people talk about it um so yeah, talking about race will, will not only help students understand who they are and and where they come from, so their cult, their race and their culture, uh, but it will put us on a path to to reconciliation and redemption, as far as like how we've treated each other over the years and how we currently treat each other and how the system is currently co completely corrupt. Um, if we hope to create a more civil and just society, we need to read texts and have conversations that make sense of race relations in our country past, present, and future. We need to fill in blank gaps in our curricula that have existed for too long. Conversations about race and culture can be uplifting as much as they can be distressing. It's kind of an interesting kind of idea too, I think. Um, yeah, I'm thinking of like even when I teach night, I try to, I try to, I think there is a way to make it up. The, the uplifting part of it is, again, how we walk away. When I read Night, I was like a different person after I read it. I was like, wow, this is, I, I just couldn't believe that people did that. 
Um, and it made me committed to, 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 to like not tolerate, um, hate really. There's, there's a lot of things that it did. Um, but, but yeah, that, so that's, I think as, as devastating as a book can be for a child to read, I think what they walk away from it is that that's the, that's what we want to focus on is like, what can we walk away from with, with this book? Um, you know, so we obviously want to focus on the te text itself. Uh, but we also want to focus on what it means for us. And that's what I'm talking about with meaning making. But linking the man-made spaces on the map of our world and the history of human conflict to individual human behavior can feel impossible or, or, or even absurd. But it is a necessary and important part of our national and global commitment to continual improvement. Prosperity for all, all cultures is not impossible or even hard to achieve if we could just include all the voices, all voices in the conversation. Our students want to be part of the solution, not the problem. So that should make things extra easy for us. Stephen Dedalus in Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man immerses himself in Ireland's culture and religion, and then by the end of the story emerges a free and an independent spirit. He, it's, it's like a perfect example. Like he, he knows that it's a part of who he is, but he also is able to to be a free and like I said, a free and independent spirit. So that's where we want our kids. We want our kids to to have an appreciation for their culture, for other cultures, um, to see the similarities between them, see the differences between them, but ultimately be somebody who thinks for themselves. All right, eight gender. Another confusing part of the adult world is gender. It's another one of those things. You're like, how? Why this? Why were things that way? Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, I think even just the, like a text like Jane Eyre, I, like, I have to give the context of where in like the mid 19th century, like what was the context? And even with Shakespeare, uh, we have to f go over the basics, like couldn't go just get a job, couldn't get a, a serious education that wasn't just oriented toward your particular gender. Um, you know. You couldn't vote, right? Like I have to go over those those basics. Or like, yes, you couldn't. The, like to be clear, she can't just leave and go get a job, right? Like those kinds of things. They're easy to forget. Um, but when your whole world is defined by by family, marriage, and family, um, it's it's easy to like not understand a story with those kinds of basics. Um, yeah, connecting biology, identity, we think about roles, constructs, develops generation after generation can be a, f <laughs> a fun, also maybe depressing, and intellectually stimulating process for students who want to know how they can break down and deconstruct a concept that has been used as a tool to trap and define millions of people. In the end, students want to know how to be free and how they can overcome limitations and counter the negative forces that restrict their ability to be independent. They want to love without believing they need to fit into someone's, to some predetermined role imagined by our ancestors. No one wants to feel like they're walking around in someone else's clothes. And I mentioned Jane Eyre. She has a, there's a moment in, in that book where she um, has a moment of revelation where she connects her individual experiences to the experiences of millions of women. And only then, and in that moment, can she truly be herself. Because it takes that, that connection to, to all women, her, connecting herself to all women, 
that helps her realize like what has happened to her in her life and what and the nature of her relationships all right number nine is adventure and experience children first begin to love literature when they see images and colors that make no sense they defy the reality that have they have barely come to understand of children's books um, they believe in the tooth fairy because there's no good reason why magic can't exist it's just part of our their reality is imagining things um, we think their imagination is funny because it's absurd perhaps we want them to believe that anything they want to be true can be true some of the most influential texts that have that have transformed everything we know about reality has tra have transformed everything we know about reality into a dream the childhood creatures and objects that come to life get us to reimagine where we live and inspire us to be creative in our own lives and careers. Teenagers want to read stories that involve magic, but that also contain unpredictable and wild adventures that in the end lead us some, to some new un, uh, newfound freedom, sorry, newfound wisdom or enlightenment. Our students want to feel lost. They want to long for something that seems unattainable. They want to think deeply about the dangers of recklessness and risk. Many characters in, in James Joyce's Dubliners face one of two choices, the safe or the unconventional. All right, number 10, visual art and music. I found that comparing the techniques in literature to techniques in music, not that I'm <laughs> an expert in the techniques in music, actually my students will, will sometimes use technical terms because they're, you know, they're the ones in the music and painting classes, but um, but yeah, comparing the techniques in literature to techniques in music and painting can inspire students that might not be the most enthusiastic readers, but love music and images. All language hopes to lift us up and drop us down, either visually or thematically. It wants to create an expectation and then twist it around so that we can dismantle the familiar concepts we have known to grow and love. Sonnets work that way, and every paragraph starts with one idea and then ends with another. The ebb and flow of prepositional phrases and punctuation, the wonder of metaphors and surprising similes, the rise and fall of stressed and unstressed syllables, all bring us to the same mysterious and ambiguous spaces inside a song or images. When we talk about the abstract, symbolism, metaphors, illusion, atmosphere, mood, fragmentation, consciousness, rhythm and rhyme or spontaneity uh, we could be in conversation about a could also be in a conversation about a painting a song or a story you can't read great gatsby or sonny's blues without also listening to duke ellington or charlie parker it's just kind of a part of it you have to listen to those things uh, read to you can't read to the lighthouse without you know showing a, a painting you know it's a couple different painters you could probably show but i always like to show picasso because again that sort of fragmented quality uh, that he's that he where he that he sees where he sees reality in these pieces is you know a big part of what Virginia Woolf was doing so you can kind of talk about those different things uh, and that always gets them to, to you know have good conversations 11 is uh, communication and expression so last but not least students want to know how to get out what they feel it is not easy to make sense of our fragmented and random thoughts and create a logical explanation on paper or in the words that we speak out loud. Many stories deal with characters that can't communicate openly and freely about what they want to do. 
They often battle with internal conflict over what they should do and what they want to do. They bounce back and forth between their fears and their desires, their insecurities and ego. They are afraid to say the wrong thing or go in the other direction and accidentally misinterpret their motivations or intentions. Literature functions as a model for clear and concise writing, and it also can be an explosive fountain of words that break all the rules and conventions. Students can be writers in both of these contradictory worlds of language, the organized deliberate argument backed up with evidence, and a wild limitless story with all the messiness of thought, or as Wordsworth put it in preface to lyrical ballads, the spontaneous overflow of powerful feeling. Whatever way we encourage our students to make meaning with concepts and ideas, they will always love hearing stories from our lives. On a daily basis, I will talk about the news, history, movies, songs, museums, and also tell stories from my life. I ran into a graduate once around town. It's funny when you run, they have this, like whenever I run into my old students, um, it's like super easy to do in the town where I teach. Um, I kind of, <laughs> I hate to say it, like I will avoid it for that reason. I, there's a funny story of my, <laughs> we went up to, to get dinner in town. Um, I, one of my students gave me like a, um, you know, a, whatever, a gift, gift certificate to a, uh, a restaurant. And, um, so we went up and I was like, listen, I tell, I tr tell him you give it five minutes before I see one of my students tell my wife. Like give it five minutes, I bet you. And I, we looked at my clock, and I'm like, I guarantee we run into somebody. I literally <laughs> opened the door to my car and pop my head out the door of my car, and one of my students screams, Mr. Cameron. <laughs> like, I, I, like it, it literally was like two seconds before somebody recognized me. It was so funny. Um, but anyway, whenever I run into my students, they're always like, they they always have one memory. They're like, oh, dude, I remember when you did this. Like, it was so funny when you did this. Um, <laughs> well, so I ran into one of my students, and she was like, same thing. She was like, I remember when, do you remember when you came into class? And it was the, it was the day after the Phillies won the World Series. This is back in 2008. <laughs> And you just talked for the whole period about the craziness and chaos that was going down in Philly. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. That was so funny. And uh, they were like I, hanging on to my every word. Like, obviously, like and I say, I think, I think about that because um, I, I don't even know if I connected to literature or not. But it's kind of a good example, right? Because. You know, they just want to hear stories from our lives, whether it's connected to the literature or not, right? The stories, the literature is a story, and then we have stories, right? We have the stories of our lives to tell, and they just love, they, they love hearing a story from a real-life person. That's really what education is all about, right? It's not, it's, yeah, it's, we want them to be great writers, and we want doing all these things that I'm saying, like, see the relevance of a text, but, you know, a big part of, of being in person is, is, is telling them about, you know, our perspective and how we see the world. And there's definitely a fine line between like talking too much about what happens in our personal lives, you know, and, and just being too personal. I, th I definitely think there's a line, there's a line somewhere. And I think most teachers just know where, where it is. Um, but, but yeah, they, 
obviously like if that's the one memory they remember right they're not going to remember like oh do you remember when we had a really great conversation about beloved or you know or something like that it's like yeah no they she remembers when the phillies won the world series that i was down i was you know on broad street celebrating and told that story and um i guess just like the way that i told it she just was like loving it so it's just really funny so um it's remarkable that those are the moments that stick with kids, not the exciting poster activity or performing a play out loud, but like real life stories from their teachers. Um, it is truly wonderful when two stories collide, the stories of literature and the stories of our lives. Thanks for listening.